1: go it's the piffles podcast your premier saskatchewan rough riders fan podcast thanks so much for joining us this week episode 205 run the fall. i can't say what it says there because uh, it's a bad word my name is alex i'm steve
0: and i still got water in my ears mine was going up my nose like my my eardrums like i was shaking my head all night on saturday trying to get that water out I should have waited we'll till Sunday because I shook my head enough during the game. So.
1: Give us a follow on Twitter at PifflesPod. You can give me a follow at RealAlexD. Find me at Safamod.
0: And as always, I do not need nor want your pity follows at Craig on Sports.
1: Piffles Podcast is brought to you by Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. We have so much to get to this week. Let's jump right into it. Time for the opening kickoff. <laughs> Okay, we'll talk about the Labor Day game here in a minute, but the big news out of riderville they actually did this before we recorded for once. It wasn't the morning after. So thank you, Saskatchewan Rough Riders, for doing this right away. The team cut Garrett Marino on Tuesday evening, ending his tenure with the Riders. And I will just say, good, good riddance. See ya. Don't care. Glad you're
0: gone. I'll leave it at that. How dare you bring cancel culture to this podcast? How dare you cancel him? Like, come on, guys. He wasn't that good. Seriously. <laughs> I love
1: that people are saying he's just a scapegoat. Uh, this is this is cancel culture. This is the woke mob going after somebody. Stop it. No, it's not. This is a guy who was a liability to his team and was an absolute, like, he was, he was an okay player. He wasn't great. He was an okay player. If he was Canadian, maybe, yeah, you give him a little bit more more leeway. This was an average to, to slightly better than average, maybe, American defensive linemen. You can find those guys. If you can't, then you need new scouts because there are plenty of these guys out there. Good riddance, Garrett Marino. I have no problem with guys playing on the edge, but once you start to attempt to injure players and do it repeatedly... You're POS in my books. Get out of here. So good riddance.
2: The fact that we're looking at his past three games have all had controversial hits. After half of his games coming with either a suspension or a fine. Like there there is a there is something to be said about a guy who plays on the edge. You said it. You need guys that play on the edge. But he went bulldozing across that edge from game one and couldn't learn. Like the hit on Caleros on Sunday on its own, not a big deal. But when you factor in all the other crap he's pulled and knowing that he's on a, like under the microscope, you know he's never going to learn.
0: Well, and that's it. I was ready to come into this episode before they released him going, hey, like maybe we need to tone this down because – like, yeah, he is literally under a microscope. I've never seen so many plays of a defensive tackle just showing up in my Twitter feed after every game because everyone now is on the look for it. Like, they probably have a dedicated camera to Garrett Marino right now just to see what bonehead play he's going to do next. And to me, that's excessive. Like, unfortunately, you, you concentrate on a guy enough, you're going to catch a play where he zigged when he should have zagged and knock a quarterback over with, if he meant it or not. And with, unfortunately, with Marino, chances are he probably did. But yeah, like he's not worth the distraction. He's absolutely not worth the extra stress and the extra ink or digital print that he's getting right now. Just get rid of him.
1: And like you guys said, that hit on Caleros, there was actually, I, di- I didn't think there was anything wrong with the hit other than it being late. It was just an unnecessary hit. It wasn't bad. They didn't target him like in the head or anything. He just, knocked him over, which, I mean, I guess it was a blindside hit, but it's like any time if it's an interception, what do you do? The first thing you do is you hit the quarterback. So that's why I didn't have an issue with that one, but it was just, again, when you have that history, people are going to catch that. Was the league going to find him? Maybe. I don't know. Claros, I thought, kind of milked it a little bit, but at the same time, just don't do that if you're Marino. If the guy doesn't have the ball, don't hit him. Like, it's it's not rocket science here. So, Gary Marino, done. And I was looking forward to him going back to the Banjo Bowl and seeing what the fans in Winnipeg were going to give to him after last year. So, I'm a little disappointed we won't see that. But,
0: oh, well. I'm pretty sure the Riders were probably worried he was going to climb into the stands. Because you know no, it was going to be you, Okay, I don't want to call a guy out. But yeah, you had you did you had one bomber fan adding him saying, "Meet me in this section." I'm like, "Are you stupid?" Like this is the type of guy that probably would show up there. So I, I get you got a little uh, courage uh, because you, your name is not actually your name on Twitter, but everyone else knows who you are. Like, like, come on.
2: There's a very very long list of players I would not want to call out. For a physical confrontation and given his, um, shall we say, propensity for going over the edge, Garrett Marino is probably at the top of that list or pretty damn close.
1: All right. So anyway, good riddance, Garrett Marino. Moving on. Uh, So let's talk about the game itself. Riders and the Bombers. Riders losing 2018 dropping their record to a very average 6 and 6 and I don't know where you guys want to start here. Do we start with uh
0: they were who we thought they were.
2: A poorly coached football team.
0: We had them on the hook. This team, the Riders should I, have I won that game. The Riders should have won that game. I don't know what to make
1: of them. So that first okay, we'll start in the first half. Frankie Hickson, that first drive, the first drive to go up 7-0. Perfect. That game could not have started out any better for this team. That's exactly what they needed. The crowd was into it. And, you know, Winnipeg, they're two-time defending champions. They know how to come come from behind to win a game, which they did, down 14-0 in this one. But that was exactly the start the riders need. They ran the ball. It was quick plays. It was getting the receivers involved. Shaq Evans was getting involved early on and that was exactly what they needed to do. And they did it. And Cody Fajardo was confident. And I haven't seen that Cody Fajardo since 2019. And that's exactly what this team needs. That whole first half, Cody Fajardo was locked into where he was going to go. He was making great decisions. His reads were there. He was making very good throws. He was stepping into them. He wasn't backfooting any of these throws. And the second half that just disappeared. But, Run the ball, it's not flashy, but it is effective. And when you have, how many times are we going to say it this year? When you have a battle line, they can still run block. They're way better at that than pass blocking.
0: Run the ball. I went back, and I, I hate Jason Moss for making me do homework. I literally went back and counted all, the play, like counted all the running plays. They cut Hickson's numbers in half. He had 15 touches. He had five in the second half. Total and especially when you're in field goal range with a minute and a half left to go. Why are you after he just rips off a 12 yard run? Why are you doing a pass play? Like that was the game right there. That was legit the game right there.
2: When you're that deep in their zone and you and you throw the ball, there's only two good scenarios that come from that. A completion or a touchdown. Well, a completion for a touchdown or first down. Anything else is pretty much bad news. Incompletion stops the clock. Interception turns the ball over. Why are you doing this when you want to milk the clock? If you're going to, if you have to throw the ball, you do a little pitch out uh, behind the line, one of those little screen passes, something like that. That's a guaranteed completion. Throwing over the line, awful decision. Straight up
0: the middle of the field.
2: Just a terrible choice. And I, we we make fun of it time and time again, but this Jason Moss getting away from the run week after week is getting old. We've, we've seen Jamal Morrow run all over people. We've seen Frankie Hickson run all over people. Our record is better when we run the ball more. And yet here we are 12 games into the season now having the same conversation week after week after week. And you know if we're having this conversation opposing defensive coordinators are are having the same conversation in their in their pregame planning. They know exactly what is coming. A decent dose of running in the first half followed by a complete lack of run in the second.
1: Now is that just coaches out coaching themselves to you? Is that like a Jason Moss like saying okay well at halftime we're we're running the ball here they think we're going to run it in the second half so we're going to throw them off here and we're going to pass it a whole bunch because to me this just seems this just screams like out coaching yourself
2: i would say yes if it was a once or twice thing but you can't out coach yourself with the same game plan week after week because they're going to see that those coordinators are looking at that looking at us running getting away from the run week after week the, the surprise game plan would be to keep running the goddamn football. And yet we don't.
0: Literally first and 10 deep in the bomber zone. And Moss thinks he's got him fooled by doing that uh, pass play. Like Hickson literally just ripped off a 12 yard run for a first down. Like I don't understand the thought process of that play at all. It made no sense
2: you're under two minutes worst case scenario you run it up the gut twice you give him the ball back with a minute to go and a one-point lead your defense has been stellar all game trust them and best case scenario frankie hickson goes for an average of five and a half yards per carry like he did in the second half when he did get the ball and that, I mean, I'm not very good at math. I am a Ryder fan, but five and a half times two is more than 10. You run that clock down to zero and trust that Brett Lother can make a 20 yard field goal or a 30 yard field goal. But what do you do? Well, you
1: can't fire Jason Moss. Like everybody seems to want to happen because coaches cap, what are you going to do then? You can't do anything. You are gonna have travis moore call plays like i i don't their head coach is a special teams guy he's not gonna be calling plays you have nobody on that sideline who can call plays then with any kind of legitimate background of doing it
2: do you remember that fan controlled football league Well, let's go let's go that way for a for a game of football let the fans pick the plays oh There's don't n- let the it's don't horrible. let fans
1: do anything other than cheer. Please don't let fans do anything other than cheer. No decisions should ever be made by fans. And that goes for any sport. But especially <laughs> football. Um, We talk about that O-line and running. Josiah St. John. How dare he be better than we thought he'd be? Was it the fact that he wasn't horrible? Or was he actually good? Both? I was. That was the... Best game by a tackle all season. And he still got beat a few times, which I personally expected. And I'm not going to. It's William Shevko. What are you going to do? Exactly. So I thought he held in pretty,
0: pretty well. Look, Chris Jones is looking like a draft genius. Finally. Uh,
2: (laughs) Six years later.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Six years. Well, two teams technically, because he left and came back. And a lot of contracts. Um. No, it was good. It was, it was really good. But, oh my God, Campbell, how how have you have fallen to be behind Jose Saint John? Everyone go. You know what? That's an improvement. I don't know what the like when Clark gets back. Do you try Bandy out there with J- JSJ? Like I don't I don't know what you're going to do. Make Johnson make Johnson the six. Put JSJ and Bandy side by side, maybe. Cause Johnson's still still not good either.
1: Cause if that's the JSJ we're getting, then yeah, that's probably what I do. I put Bandy out to right guard. Cause I think he's been okay. And for a guy kind of thrown into to center and, and have to replace Dan Clark, like that's a tough thing to do in your rookie year. So to be able to do that and, and not really look too terribly out of place, I think you have to keep him on the line anyway
2: kind of a great problem to have and not something we thought we'd have as any kind of depth at the o-line but when when clark comes back maybe there's something there
1: well at least on the interior anyway tackles are still i mean it's one game for jsj but lauderdale he was bad
0: uh, when's vaughn coming back that's the next question and
1: when he comes back, how long is he going to be back for? One game before he gets hurt again? He's starting to become a liability on the O-line just because you can't trust him to be there. And ever since he came back from from his shoulder injury, he has not been the same guy. He has not been that good starting left tackle that he was the last couple, or the last, the last season. He's just not that guy anymore. So I'm really curious what, uh, at least going into 2023, what that offensive line is going to look like, especially at the tackle positions, but um uh, do want to give kudos there to JSJ for probably playing the best game by a tackle all season long by the Riders.
0: If only uh, the Riders' uh, lineman budget was $5,000 more, we probably could have another all-star uh, tackle, but I digress. Uh. <laughs> um,
1: one thing I, I didn't even realize was a thing until uh, uh, Dalton, uh, Rouge Dalts over at the one of our friend podcasts there. Um, the Riders have not won, and this is going to co- come back to the Garrett Marino thing. The Riders have not won at home since the Ottawa game. Four straight home losses for this team. Still
0: better than Edmonton and Ottawa.
1: Steve's counting. Three, four. There's BC.
0: BC,
2: BC, Winnipeg. I think it's like 3
0: i
1: and Toronto, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Like, like the fans in in Toronto, we forgot about the Argonauts. Four games in a row, they have not won at home. What's with teams not being able to win
1: at home? This is getting ridiculous here in the CFL.
2: I mean, you're you're looking at for the most part twenty thousand fans versus thirty five thousand fans. Home field advantage coming back from COVID doesn't seem like as big a thing as it once was. I wonder if that's something to do with it, and they're taking away a lot of a lot of the ways that fans made noise. A lot of stands are removing. Not in uh, Montreal. <laughs> I, I <laughs>
0: yeah. saw them actually take, is, take someone's bouba uh, the other day, uh, going through the line. Could not believe it.
2: That mosaic. Yeah. yeah. You're not allowed anything. Be- that was a that was a COVID rule because that's. Nice. That's just going to spit your germs everywhere. Oh, no, you I, I get it.
0: I, I know it was, but I've never actually seen someone try to bring a horn in and get it taken away before.
2: Yeah, you can't have the hand powered ones, those old double horns that, uh, that we used to use. You couldn't have those anymore. Like they're, they're taking away all the things that make noise and then wondering why it's not as loud, but it's just, that still doesn't excuse a thousand plus games or days for Edmonton and two wins in what three years for Ottawa and like, Oh, well, that's kind of impressive. Although if I looked is, is Ottawa in a playoff spot right now or they're they just,
0: not, they're not, they're not. Just, they're, I, they're, in, they're
1: in third place in the East.
2: A yeah. game behind
1: Montreal for, for home field in the first round,
2: despite never winning a game at home. They're, they're going to ask if they make that second place. Hey, can we play this game on the road?
1: They could absolutely finish six and twelve, win their final road games, lose all their games at home, and get second place. They absolutely could. It's terrible, yep. and I kind of want to see that
0: happen. <laughs> hey, I wasn't I wasn't kidding when I said that seven uh, eleven and uh, the East were uh, the record seven eleven and no cups is basically the same as the CFL cups because that's probably what's going to happen. I don't know if Toronto might actually beat Seven Eleven, but
1: And one more thing on this game is uh, Duke Williams. We haven't talked about that yet. Got him. Apparently. That's what everybody wants. Everybody wants Duke Williams cut. And I can understand the frustration with Duke Williams because, one, this guy's getting paid – what second highest receiver paid, paid receiver in the league at 260k a year? He's not living up to that by any means. He's had one good game; the rest have been not. Um, the The whole incident in in uh, Nova Scotia with the swing in the helmet and then the alleged spitting and just everything with Duke right now is not good. But cutting him is not the answer. I know this offense, and Steve, you said this. This is the best off. The best the offense has looked was this past game, at least in the first half. All season long, and that's without their supposed best player, with Duke Williams. But you do not cut this guy.
2: The, th- the idea of Duke Williams, Kareem Moore, Shaq Evans, Braden Lenius, and Kean Schaefer Baker should excite every single rider fan out there yes duke has not played up to his expectations so far this year there is still six games and the playoffs hopefully for him to make his money i don't care if he only gets 300 yards in the regular season if he's the duke that we saw in the playoffs last year in the playoffs this year we get our money's worth it end of discussion for me But there is no situation, and I said it in my article today, there is not a single situation where this team is made better by cutting Duke Williams. We lose out on the salary cap. We lose $65,000, and our offense gets worse. Plus, we lose out any semblance of depth on the receiving core. I, I don't see it. I don't see why they're calling for it.
0: I don't see too many Ryder fans. It's... I see more teams from other fans saying the Riders should be embarrassed by everything they've got. And Duke kind of get involved with the entire um, Marino situation. Yeah, Duke has been a little chaotic. I don't know if it was just him and his shenanigans, if it would be as loud if it also wasn't for us dealing with the Marino situation too.
2: My my favorite part is seeing people calling him out for having multiple fines this year. Come on, guys. One of those fines was for jumping in and eating some goddamn nachos. Like, let's not call him a multiple fine situation here. This is not a whole bunch of issues we've had across multiple games. His his apparent spitting and the the helmet were in one game. Yeah, he jar, jarred a little on the bench. That's not something you're going to cut a guy over. It's stupid, and he should get a fine from within the team.
0: To be honest, I'm surprised I called it. You like, and I know we're probably going to talk about this, but you see non dressed players on the sideline at all times. They get involved all the time. That is the first time I recall someone actually getting flagged for it.
1: And this is where I say hot take time non dressed players, as in not dressed for the game, should never be on the sideline ever there's no reason for them to be there i understand okay if a quarterback's hurt and he's gonna try and help out as much as he can cool okay i get that argument coaches coach players play if you cannot play you should not be there you can go be in the locker room and at halftime go talk to your team then there's no reason for you to be to be on the sideline because it's a potential for this and guess what happened that took the riders out of field goal range which would have potentially won them the game.
0: But well, like I said, you see in every stadium in this league as it is. And you see, you see those undressed players get involved. They're slapping, they're picking up guys. They're running their mouth. That's the first time I actually ever seen a penalty for it. So like without actually watching the replay, does he like, did he actually physically shove a guy or what, what happened? No, I think it was just kind of in the middle
1: of, what was going on and he got up in the face of the bomber player and that was it like, yeah, it was, should have been flagged. Probably not because whatever. But at the same time, I get it from a ref standpoint of, I don't want this to be any kind of anything. So if I throw a flag here really quick, that nips it in the bud, right? Like I, I get that. I wouldn't have done it myself. It's just, you just get in between the the players and you're like, okay go off to the side here like you're not even playing get out of here bud
0: but but the funny thing is though so they after they gave the flag they realized they couldn't do it so then they had to change it after the game to a, like a bench conduct because it was it was weird because they realized they can't actually physically penalize duke for that call it, it, it's, it it's a typical CFL
1: officiating gong show (laughs) well they did announce it as as a bench misconduct penalty during the game but uh, but to me that's not that's not so much a penalty on on duke williams to me that's a penalty on craig dickinson corral your guys they should know if they're going to be there you do not get in the middle of anything if you're not playing you do not get that close to the other team you just don't and to me This is another case of Craig Dickinson just not having the respect from his players and just trying to be their friends and letting them do whatever they want because, well, gosh, the guys are trying hard and you know what? I love them. And I'm sick and tired of hearing this from Craig Dickinson. Like where's the responsibility? You're the head coach. This is your team. You're the guy in charge. You have to take responsibility for this. Even if, yeah, The guys should know better. Yeah, okay, maybe they should. But if they don't, discipline them. Bench them. That's about all you can do as the coach is you bench them. You take away their playing time. That's the only kind of thing you can do. I'm not suggesting you bench Duke Williams for a game because of this. Not at all. But there's nothing from Craig Dickinson on this. And I'm getting really sick of that. And that's going to bring me to my next point. I made the, I will call it a mistake of listening to the sports cage on Monday. Because I wanted to hear Craig Dickinson. I actually wanted to hear him answer questions from the fans and and how that was going to go. And I could not believe the answer that he gave to this question. So Ballsy asks him, as the coach, what do you do to prevent your team from getting boneheaded penalties like this? Now, to me, any coach should, should say, This is on me. I need to to talk to the players or whatever, and and we will make sure this does not happen again. You give me some BS line, some cliche line, fine. But take the responsibility. This is on me. I didn't have these guys ready or set up or whatever the case is. He said, "Uh, I don't know. And then said something else, and then came back and said, It's got to be player-driven. So now you're throwing the players under the bus. This is all on the players? No, this is on you, head coach. Why are you not taking any responsibility whatsoever? Why? Because Craig Dickinson wants to be their friend. He's afraid he doesn't have the guts to be a hard-ass when he needs to be. Now, I understand it's important to be liked. You have to have – I mean, that's, that's just important in human nature, and that's fine. But you're their boss. You should be respected. And I don't think he is by this team. They like him, but he's not respected. You should have some sort of fear put into place. Not like I'm going to cut you if you look the wrong way. Nothing stupid like that. Not a Chris Jones type thing. Like that's, that's unrealistic anywhere else. But there has to be something. And Craig Dickinson does not have that. And when I listen to this interview, I'm like, this guy is not taking any responsibility whatsoever for his team He's saying it's all on the players. We've talked to them and blah, blah, blah. Well, if you've talked to them and they still do it, cut them or take away their playing time or something. This is on you. And as long as he's the head coach, this team isn't going anywhere. Great special teams coordinator has no clue what he's doing as a head coach. He's in way over his head, and it's been proven time and time before. We're not even talking about that ridiculous challenge on Shaq Evans offensive pass interference that was clearly offensive pass interference and he knew he he said I wasn't going to win it but I wanted to show support for my guys by wasting a challenge on a timeout? No, there's different ways you can trust in your guys not that and this interview just bugged me so much because he just seems so clueless as to what's going on around him he is not head coach material he was a convenience hire at the time. I wasn't opposed to it. I was great with him getting a shot at it. But now he's proven he does not have it. He now, is the is kept, you can't really do much, but this guy is not the answer.
0: He, uh, after Chris Jones, he was a good amuse Boosh. He, he, he was a palate cleanser. Um, but, no, the the irony about Dicky is, especially on the year we honored Ken Miller in the Plaza of Honor, Everyone's like uh, players coaches players coaches Ken Miller had his team's respect and it's funny it was cliche, but all the time Ken referred to his players as men and he treated them like men and he respected he expected them to act like men if they didn't act like men he held them to account Craig has that issue unfortunately he can't seem to find that sweet spot of. Hey, I I want to everyone to like me, but he has trouble of getting them to I would say respect him because they respect him. They just don't think he'll do jack to them if they cross a line. And unfortunately, it's becoming blatantly obvious that he's he's not losing the room, but he's definitely not running things.
2: You you can be a player's coach, and you and you said it. Ken Miller had guys that would run through a wall for that man. I don't know that there's more than a handful of players on this roster that would do the same for, for Dickinson. They like him, but they don't seem to have that passion to play for him. Like people had for Ken Miller. They are here to play for a game check. To me, there, there's a completely different atmosphere. uh, uh, Style between the two of them that's clearly not resonating in the locker room. The fact that we're, again, 12 weeks in constantly talking about the same discipline issues from most of the same people, you know, it was Natai Rogers for a while. It was Garrett Marino for a while. It's Duke Williams for a while. It's not a team wide thing. It's groups of people seem to be running over them because there's no repercussions. There's no reason for them to, to stop. And it's, it's infuriating to watch because you know, this This team is realistically an offensive lineman away for being a Grey Cup contender, but I have to agree with Alex. I don't think we get there with the current staff in place. But here's There's many rookie mistakes from a head coach who is no longer a rookie head coach. You can let those mistakes happen for the first year and p- pass it off as he's learning, but he's not learning anymore. He has been in this position for years. The things he doesn't know he needs to know because he's not going to figure them out.
0: So we go from back to back West Finals. We hosted one hosted a semifinal. So what? Like this this is a few years ago this was the dream being in the hunt all the time. We're not going to be obviously in the West Final this year. So is this your Is this our excuse to cut ties with Dickey and try someone new?
1: I don't think that's what they're going to do. I
0: can't see O'Day doing that. I think those two are tied together right now. Because that's a problem. Like I, I also looking at the coaching landscape. I think there's going to be a lot of heads cut this year. I think I think Campbell survives in BC. Dickinson, obviously in Calgary. Jones is going to survive. I think I don't think any head coaching job in the East is safe. I think Dinwiddie's safe. Maybe
1: they'll get first place, host the East final, probably win it. They'll get to Toronto, will get to the Great Cup. He gets saved by that. Plus he's still a young coach. There's a lot that they can they can do with him.
0: But I wouldn't be surprised to see if, if Hamilton doesn't make playoffs. Steinauer is going to be available. La should be available. Yeah, I know how much macho
1: ain't going anywhere. But, but with Orlando Steinauer, he might just step down as head coach and, and keep all his other 13 positions with the team and management that he That's has. True. Like he's, he, They're not going to get rid of him from, from the entire team. I suppose. But, like, I just, I just, I mean, you can't do anything with Dickinson this year. Like, with the coach's cap and everything, you're not going to, especially when Kahari Jones has already been picked up. Like, there's nothing out there right now that you're going to do. But I just don't see how this team can ever win anything with a guy that soft as a head coach. That just doesn't get the respect that he should get from his players because they do walk all over him from the looks of it.
0: Soft? Are you saying he's too woke? So I'm trying to cancel him. I, I like Dickie. I really do. I think he's like I said, I think, I think, I think he nice was the per- I think he was the perfect coach after Jones. Yes, it was by convenience, but I think he, he found a perfect spot. They 2019 was a great season for what they had for Cody for everybody. But yeah, I don't he's still making the same mistakes he made in 2019. At some point, he just doesn't have it. He's Elizondo. He's Greg Marshall. He's the guys that are good coordinators, not great coaches.
1: Well, that's the opening kickoff presented by Kathy Festian of Royal La Pedrogena Realty. Moving to our Churchill Brewing Company, Odds and End Zones. I just want to give a shout out and a thank you to everybody involved, especially Steve. helping putting together the Piffles Celebrity Dunk Tank that we had this past Saturday in Regina here. And uh, as much as we did set a goal for, for funds raised, it wasn't a real goal. I think it was just kind of a number. Hey, hope we hit this. But sure enough, we hit it and beat it. The goal was 5000 We raised over $5,100 for uh, CFL Fans Fight Cancer this year and, the, of course, all that money going to the Alan Blair Cancer Center here in Regina and uh, keeping that money local. So thank you to everyone who came out, dunked us, threw footballs, um, donated online if you couldn't make it, uh, donated online and came down there and uh, showed support and had a lot of fun. It was a great day. It was uh, beautiful weather for it. And Oh,
0: I, I was happy in that water. I was so <laughs> happy <laughs>
1: that was that, that was refreshing almost every other time except for the first time.
0: The first time I was like, ooh,
1: that's cold. But Then after that, Yeah, that was kind of nice.
0: Well, climbing up and down was starting to get old because I had a lot of auto dunks because you guys are cowards. But uh, yeah, like it was, it was, it was a good time. I kind of felt bad for DT because by the time he showed up, that water was dirtier than Garrett Marino because it was just bad. (laughs) Well,
1: that's what happens when you put what Chad from the Wolf
0: on there. (laughs) Yeah, Mark, Mark, Mark was lucky one. He got he got the fresh water, the coldest water. He got the fresh water.
2: Derek Taylor said it best. He's used to Winnipeg water. He was fine with that stuff. That was probably an upgrade, to be honest. But DT you know, the real, I, I got absolutely the best smack talker out there. I,
0: I wish we would have had him earlier when more people were there because that was awesome. And he didn't stop. He just started talking and did not stop. He get dunked and then get back up and just keep on going.
2: And he would, it would, right where he left off. And it was like he is the penultimate storyteller absolutely brilliant like there was nothing it was just pure entertainment for the the 15 20 minutes he was up there yeah i definitely if we could have done it back again i would have had him i mean he had other other Mm -hmm. obligations earlier in the day otherwise he would have been up in the first hour or so and that would have been that would have been something else surrounded by rider fans but what what a great day perfect weather the, the wind died down just enough at the uh, once the event kicked off that things weren't flying all over the place.
1: So thanks to everybody for uh, for showing up, sending money for for that, and uh, it was a great event and um, lots of money going to uh, cancer research here in Saskatchewan and the CFL Fans Fight Cancer event at Great Cup on the Saturday of Grey Cup. That money will be added to the total of that. So uh, I think it was Hamilton did, what, $11,000 last year? Steve, is that right? Yeah. Yep. So we'll uh, we'll definitely beat that. And uh, so what's next for us and CFL Fans Fight Cancer? Um, well, we were able to secure a whole bunch of uh, George Reed shirts from Tarps Apparel. Um, they did uh, kind of like all-star shirts. Uh, Greg was wearing it for the Piffles, uh, the dunk tank event. And uh, we have a whole bunch of them right now in stock. So we're going to sell those. Look for details online on Twitter. Uh, we'll definitely post that on Facebook as well too uh, on how you can get your George Reed shirt and all the proceeds will be going to CFL Fence Fight Cancer on that. Uh, so that's what's coming up next. And we'll have a couple of raffles coming up, um, just figuring out the last couple of details on those. And then we'll get those going pretty soon here. Now, we didn't get to this last week. And I was really because the article came out a couple minutes before we started recording.
0: And you and I so, had a good laugh about it.
1: <laughs> and we laughed at it. And <laughs> this goes to the Edmonton Elks. Is the answer to the Edmonton Elks issue of losing fans and just the fall from grace that the city of champions has had over the last couple of years? Is the answer to this?
0: to sell the team to a private owner. First, first point, I want to point on that. Edmonton wants to be called city champions, champions again. They have to remember the Oilers are part of that, and they're privately owned, and they still suck out loud. So that's obviously not a solution to the problem. So let's just kick that off right away. Point number two, I didn't see Terry Jones's lips move at all during that article that that was who that that was jerry um what's the last name who wrote that again
1: yeah jerry modernage
0: yeah like that that was a great terry jones impression i probably i probably pronounce it yeah yeah i don't know how to spell that's why i was hoping you could say his name because i know i can't (laughs) like i i thought terry jones wrote it i really did because that seems like right up his alley
2: i would absolutely scream terry jones from start to finish with the, with the comments about uh, alienating all the the old white men again, like we're coming back to that. I, I, private ownership is not going to help that team. Having a guy like Victor Cui at the top is going to do great things for that team over the long term. I question how much success he'll have with Chris Jones underneath him as general manager because I, I can't see those two personalities meshing and allowing for all the things that Victor Qui probably wants to do. But I, I can't see that being
0: the solution. People also need to remember back underneath the old name, when they were bringing in a concert of the week, that team was slowly dying then. Like, this is not like just because they changed the name of the franchise, which everyone wants to point out to, oh, well, that's the reason why they lost. That's the reason why they're in a thousand days. They changed the name, and that's, that's why they're cursed. Curses don't exist. I am sorry. like you're you're grown ass men talking about curses. Come on. the team is just bad. It was the last or the last brain trust destroyed that team that that was terrible top to bottom. made terrible decisions and there's no there was nothing in the cookie covered. So yeah, you got Chris Jones in there like switch, switching guys out every five minutes. So it's not going to get any better until he finds the guys he wants. Welcome to a Chris Jones team.
2: But it does get better eventually. Look what look what he did here. That first year under Chris Jones was hot garbage. Then he figured out his lineup and we were a, a fajardo touchdown away from a Great Cup birth. Like it's they, fans have to wait it out. You know you're gonna get success with him in the long term. Maybe, probably, but it isn't going to be in the short term. Year one is ugly. Year one is a three-year-old trying to put a puzzle together. But once they once they figure out the pattern, it, it works.
1: The the article did bring up that good point though, because it and this talks about the alienating old white male population that drives the CFL, which it does for the most part. Because you look at what BC is doing with Amar Goman, They're starting to see some strides. The attendance isn't there yet, but they're seeing some things. Now, this goes to show just kind of where the CFL is at with a fan base to me, especially in a place like Alberta, like Saskatchewan, like Manitoba. Maybe not so much Manitoba as much as, as Saskatchewan, Alberta but when you look at what the core fan is they look the same it's 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 how do you get not away from that which is how i feel that they're thinking that the teams are doing no 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 it's it's how do we add to that and that's where i think there's this weird disconnection between sports teams whether community or privately owned teams and fan bases and potential fan bases is, is not how do we just bring in new fans, but it's how do we bring them in with the existing ones? And CFL fans are so, Hey, you need to reach out and get a new fan base. Oh, but not that way. Not that way. I, I wouldn't do that. That's that's CFL fans in a nutshell. Like it's, it's such a weird demographic of fans that want you to expand your business but not by I want expanding. to
2: be catered to
0: here's the right? problem like anytime it's... a team or the cfl tries to bring in new fans the first thing someone says is well that wasn't aimed towards me no kidding they've already got you the same reason why i'm not they're not a sponsor but i bank with the royal bank I don't. Every time I see that, get started account with the Royal Bank and get a free iPad, I'm going, where the hell's my free iPad? I've had an account with them since I was 12. But that's not the way it works. They want to bring new people in, let them bring new people in. I'm not going to say I'm never banking with a Royal Bank ever again, but that's the way business works. They need to bring in new fans. You will get yours eventually. Or you've gotten yours way, uh, your your benefits in the past, but they don't need to always cater to you. But you can't be mad when they're trying to bring in new people, and that's what it is every time. It's like, well, that wasn't aimed towards me. No kidding, they got you.
2: There, there's no better example of that than the annual outcry, and we're gonna hear it, I'm sure. In the oh, next I can't of- wait. When, when the Great Cup halftime show was announced, you look back to the 100th in Toronto, and people were absolutely livid that Justin Bieber was the, the headliner. He's I think Alessia
0: the- Cara was, the, it was the bigger meltdown. What's that? Alessia Cara, I think, was the biggest meltdown yeah. I've ever seen.
2: Yeah, they had Alessia Cara was the meltdown last time, or Keith Urban. You get all these big-name stars, but they're like, no, that's not the guys we want. We want the old white rock bands. Like, I love Rush. But I don't want Rush doing the halftime show. I mean, it doesn't help that they only have two of the three members now, but, you know, like uh, at no point is that a halftime show I wanted because the whole point is to bring in the people and the eyes that you weren't going to get to watch the game. I guarantee you people tuned in to watch Alessia Cara. People tuned in last year to see um, the Hamilton group. Why oh, can't I?
0: Kells Ar- 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 oh. Ar- 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 made sense in Hamilton. That was good for the fans. That was good. It was it was great for me. I enjoyed that a lot. Great show. A great show. But, but they need what... to
2: bring in these young big name stars that the kids in that 20 to 35 age group are listening to and are going to go see and are going to go watch. That's how you get the next generation. Cuz we're going to die someday and if they don't build that next generation so will the CFL.
0: I'm gonna live forever. Just so you know.
2: God help us all.
1: Just a, a great cop halftime tidbit here. You, you know who they should bring in, which would be a phenomenal halftime show. I'm just that's what it's gonna be. And I'm gonna be pissed off about that because of course Saskatchewan would do that.
0: Well, she's at least she's at least getting the national anthem, you know it. Oh, for
1: sure. That's fine, whatever. Halftime show should be Shawn Mendes. I agree. That would that be a fantastic it. show. I like Shawn Mendes. And he hits a completely different demo. And he's Canadian, and he's one of the biggest music stars in the world.
0: I agree. I completely agree. I, I it, it will play well to everyone but the typical CFL fan who's going to bitch and complain completely. Although I hope they do it Whatever they announce, I hope they're in the stands like Headley was so people could boo them until they realize Headley was in the stands.
2: <laughs> I was just about to say, I wonder if the CFL and the riders have learned not. <laughs> because that was fantastic. And it was great watching the boo, yay! <laughs>
0: Headley, what? Burr! Also, and joining us today, Headley! Uh,
1: to be fair, I know hindsight's twenty twenty, but uh Yeah, <laughs> I'd, I'd boo Headley now, too. <laughs> yeah um but anyway getting back to the circling circling back to the edmonton elks like just moving to a private owner i don't think does anything
0: also how do you do that the team's community yeah. owned who's who are they buying it from just accept the uh, debts and move on like I, I don't know how that's even going to work
2: because if it's I mean, anything like
0: the riders yes they have shareholders but they're not actually shareholders
1: you mean my eight and a half by eleven piece of paper? I can, Doesn't I mean can make, anything?
0: I can make you one of those, and it wouldn't cost you hundred dollars a share.
1: Oh, that's cheaper than uh, the two fifty I paid for it.
0: Oh, that's what it was. See, I'm not a shareholder. <laughs> well, Steve's got his on his wall. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, like, what when the team was suffering and they needed the money, I get it. But, yeah, being a writer shareholder is like calling yourself the king of imagination land, sure,
2: well, it also used to come with perks,
0: yeah, but now now the season ticket holders get perks,
2: yeah, I don't think there's any specific perk that the not the anymore. other not than
0: anymore.
2: they get to they get shareholders' merchandise.
0: although I don't even know if they do that anymore no they don't you, don't you, you get anymore. you actually get the shareholder patch for jerseys. I think that's about it.
1: ooh. You get the vote on the board.
0: Yeah, the yeah, the vote. That's what. Yeah. But
1: I just with with Montreal now. The, this the estate's still gonna gonna run the Montreal Alouettes until they get a new owner. Like that's the last thing this league needs is another ownership change. Let alone two of them, and go, especially one community owned team. Like it, it's just not. It's not the answer to me. I know it's a it's a long game, and they'll get their fans back. They just have to start winning. Ultimately, winning brings
2: fans to games.
0: Well, not if Steve end. would ever pick winning lottery tickets, maybe we can own the Riders.
2: Maybe. One day. One day. Tonight's the night.
1: All right. Banjo Bowl coming up, guys. My favorite game of the year when I'm going to it. Unfortunately, not going this year, but uh, – Hopefully back next, next year? year. I'm Us. hoping so. I, I, I gotta um, admit,
0: I missed that trip. That's it's a fun trip. I miss that trip going up on the Saturday morning, as, as
1: kind of crappy as it is to have to wake up at like 3 4 a.m. For, for a 5 a.m. bus
2: takeoff. That's still such a blast.
0: It's oh, it's, so worth it.
2: it's worth it. It's worth it. About the time you hit Brandon and you're you know slightly inebriated and there's football on the horizon.
0: And they get Red Barn on the way home.
2: Also a bonus. Also a bonus. Um, <laughs> Actually,
0: this tells you know how desperate I am to go to Winnipeg because I miss Banjo Bowl. I'm going for the Thunder Rifles game. Nice. At IGF Field uh, or IG Field, I guess. IG Field. Yeah. Um,
1: so, Riders Bombers, the Riders have proven that they can hang with these guys. And this dates back the last few years. Other than the Banjo Bowl last year, every game has been close with these guys. Or was it 2019? Whatever year it was. I think both. Actually, the last two Banjo Bowls haven't been have close. Not
0: been They pl- have not been plenty. Uh, pleasant but
1: me. other than that, every single game, including playoffs against the Bombers, over the last number of years, has been really, really close. Generally speaking, once four games. This team can hang with them. They know they can do it. They're just and Shaq Evans alluded to this uh, post game after the Labor Day Classic was that we can't finish. We don't know how to finish yet. We got to figure that out, and he's right. Can they do it here in the Banjo Bowl? Because they match up really, really well with them. Like this is a a, a talented Riders team, especially if they are going to get Duke back this week. Like it sounds like they will. You have Shaq Evans back, who automatically turned Cody Fajardo into a good quarterback again.
0: I've been saying all year, Winnipeg doesn't scare me. Like, yes, they have been winning, but they have not been able to put their foot on anyone's throats. Teams have been playing them tight. I am not scared of Winnipeg this year. They are beatable, but they have the talent to find a way to win. And... Go ahead, sir.
2: Winnipeg is showing us constantly why they've won back to back titles. They hang in just long enough to beat you. They're not massacring anybody. They're not they're not dominating anybody. But when you're when you're a team full of people who have won back-to-back titles, you have what it takes to get it over the edge. You've got that last little bit that like Shaq Evans said, we're missing to to get it over the line. You combine that with our coaching issues and i'm not entirely sure we do have the team to to match up well as well with them on the road
0: well the winnipeg has coaching and personnel that will not panic because they've been there before they 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 doesn't matter what they're down they're like don't worry we can come back because we've done it before Unfortunately, the riders don't have that right now. It's basically like Jojo, the idiot circus boy with a pretty new pet. At some point, they're just going to kill the pet because they're so excited that they're probably going to win.
2: If anything, the they're not- the exact opposite. They've, they've managed to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory on multiple occasions this year. And that's got to get into your head. You know, you've, they've seen two double or two score or 14 plus point leads, go out the window in two of their last three home games they have to be thinking about that until until they overcome that that's that's a concern
1: well the last time this team faced a whole bunch of adversity and uh played a road game they did pretty well although it was against Edmonton so uh take that for what it's worth but there was a lot of stuff going on that week too um ironically the Riders have only won once in the Banjo Bowl since their 2014 victory when Dur- Darian Durant got hurt in that game. Um, that game that they won since then, it was 2018 when Zach Caleros was the quarterback of the team. Um, I I don't know what to make of this game. It could be a blowout. It could be a close one. Like it just feels like that's what it's either going to be is either a close Rider win or a Winnipeg blowout. And if you look at the all-time series in the Banjo Bowl, it's pretty even. I think it's I don't have it up in front of me but I think it's uh like 10-7 I think. It's tight. It's yeah, it's it's like it's, it's not like
0: the Labor Day classic. It's usually closer. Yeah.
1: So, I mean, it's it's pretty much close to a coin flip as to who's going to win this game year in and year out, but the Bombers have dominated it since 2015 basically. Um I, does, 10-7. And it is 10-7. 10-7. So, but like does that Getting in your head as a team, going in there, especially over the last couple of years with a lot of these guys still being, you know, on this team, that oh, every time we go there, we get our asses kicked. Like here we go again. Does that get into your head?
2: I think it has to. And you, you look at their history against Winnipeg alone, just over the last two, three years. You know, Winnipeg used to be a team that we beat regularly. Labor Day was a guaranteed win. You know, we, we were always confident going up against the Bombers. They they haven't been winning against them since 2019. They, they've lost the Labor Day Classic. They've lost playoff games. And a lot of them have been those heartbreaking losses that probably stick with you a whole lot longer. But I, I would have to say, yeah, your your record against a specific team has to play into your head
0: you want to hope these guys professionals it's next game who cares but it sticks with you it's sports it's emotional whether you want to believe it or not like they they were supposed to win the labor day classic they they were there with a minute and a half left and threw an interception and that was it like it, yeah that loss sticks with you you just kind of hope they turn around and find a way to punch Winnipeg in the mouth. But unfortunately the record while tight the last couple of years doesn't say, it doesn't work in the writer's favor.
1: Well, let's get to our uh, pick them this week. We have uh, a triple header
0: on Saturday. Um, I hate this so much. I hated this about banjo ball when we traveled to, why are you doing a triple header? It is so stupid.
1: So you'd rather, what would you rather have two on Friday, two on Saturday? I think so. Now with now with the NFL starting out,
0: yeah, I think I think a doubleheader Friday, double doubleheader Saturday makes more sense than a tripleheader Saturday. That last game on Saturday, no one's going to care, especially when you look at
1: who's playing that game. Exactly. Um, so Friday night we have BC at Montreal, um, and it very well could be uh, Vernon Adams Jr. playing for the BC Lions in this game. Although it looks like Pipkin was taking uh, starter reps to begin practice.
0: I, I hope VA makes into that game and I hope he scores like 50 points on Danny machocha I, I like BC this game regardless
2: It's a machocha led football team. I'll take I'll take the Regina minor football team against them right now BC
1: That's a tough trip out for BC. They never seem to do well on that long trip out east. But it's also a West team versus an East team, and the game's not being played on a Sunday morning. So I'll go with BC as well. Um, Toronto and Ottawa, which all of a sudden with Ottawa winning three straight games, um, is a massive, massive game.
0: Yeah, yeah but Ottawa's at home, so oh, it's, yes, it's an it's cool. it's an automatic win. Like this is free space on the bingo square or free, free you know, whatever you know what I mean?
2: Free space on the bingo square. Yeah,
0: yeah a bingo card.
2: It's got to be Toronto until I, uh, until Ottawa wins a game at home, just like Edmonton. You can't you can't pick them to win at home. Curses don't exist, but they're cursed. Nick Arbuckle looked
1: pretty good for Ottawa last week. And he did uh, actually.
0: I'm I'm glad I, I'm glad he's finally to turn it
1: around. And I hope that's the Arbuckle that shows up this week as well, because I really really like that guy. And I hope he does well. I'm going to buck the trend here. I think Ottawa squeaks this one out. I have no idea why. I'm probably going to be wrong because Ottawa's at home. But I have a weird feeling about this game that Toronto has just gotten lucky this year with who they've played, with who, they're, with who their opponents are missing. They were playing the third stringer for Hamilton and fourth
0: stringer last week on Labor Day. And... I've been very clear on my thoughts uh, on MBT all season, but I still also am very clear on what how I think Ottawa is at home. So, uh,
1: the banjo Bowl riders at Winnipeg.
0: Uh, I hate to steal Steve's uh, thunder here, but i I think uh, riders squeak it out. I really do. If
2: if the riders can take two time count violation penalties at home. I can't even begin to imagine how many they're going to take on the road in a hostile environment. I, I've got Winnipeg in a blowout.
0: I can't forget about that, to be honest. But I, I stand by my, uh, I stand by my uh, prediction.
2: That building
1: is going to be loud.
0: Yeah, stupid stadium-assisted fans.
1: I mean, Winnipeg's five games better than the Riders. And even though they don't scare anybody, they're still five games better than this team. Going with Winnipeg.
0: I and think finally, I think with Shaq and I think with Duke, if Duke is back, I think Cody finally finds his mojo. I think they're actually gonna win this one. I really do.
1: You know, if the riders get the ball first, like they did in Labor Day, and they can go out and even they took get it first. Goal. They didn't
0: defer. I'm like, that's balls. You never yeah. see that anymore.
1: Yeah. Take the ball, get the extra possession. Why not? If they can do that, if they get the ball first in this game and they can go and score, even if it's a field goal, I think it's a close game. And I think they can hang in there the whole game, just like the playoff game last year. I think it'll be a tight game. Obviously, it won't be as sloppy um, as, as that game was. But I think it could be a very, very tight game right down to the wire. But they have to come out and score first and take the crowd even just a little bit out of the game. If they can do that, great. If Winnipeg gets the ball and scores right away, it's over. Like, I might turn the channel then because this that game would be over. I've seen that Banjo Bowl story too many times before in my life. <coughs> and uh, finally, I think we're all on board with this one. It's an Edmonton home game, so it doesn't matter who they
0: play. Uh, they lose uh, to the Stamps. Yeah.
2: That one's not even going to be close.
0: The good news is we don't see those stupid Stamp watchers It I've decided to hate them again. Mostly the sleeves, right? Just because it's honest, just because of the sleeves. Those sleeves are the dumbest thing I've ever seen. And that includes the R Nation up a leg.
1: (laughs) Hashtag. Well, should be another interesting week of CFL football this week. And hopefully, uh, these games are closed anyway, at least on Saturday, to keep us uh, interested throughout the triple header. But. We'll see. That's going to do it for us this week here on the Piffles Podcast. Of course, Piffles Podcast is brought to you by our great friends at Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. And special thanks, as always, go out to Kathy Festion of Royal LePage Regina Realty, Churchill Brewing Company, and Kurt Angle, your Olympic champion, for their support to make this show possible. Why do you guys love that so much?
0: Well, well he's technically an Olympic, Olympic hero, but okay champion too, I guess. It's just fantastic.
1: I gotta say, I'm still disappointed that the You Suck chants haven't taken off.
0: I I thought by Labor Day, people would figure it out, and there's a few people in my area that are doing it, and that's about it. The problem is, is they don't
1: have... Pay the the cameo of Kurt Angle and and have him chanting it, or show a video, or have the the fake crowd song play with the You Suck chants in the background. Play that. Then people will get it, and then it'll take off. They haven't figured it out yet. You suck. You suck. Done. Yeah, it's nice on the field. It needs to do something, because it's a great idea, and if it would have taken off, it would have been brilliant, but yeah, it hasn't. And it just yeah, great
0: top idea. Top it poor poor uh, execution. execution. Yeah. yeah. So,
1: anyway, Kurt, we're trying for you, man. We really are. Friend of the show, Kurt Angle. Also friend of the show, Tyler Gilbert, sings us out with Ghost Behind Your Mind.
0: Don't let the door hit you on the way out, Gare Marino. The